0: Hello, so today I'm going to talk about house prices and I'm going to explain why houses cost so much money, how it's a consequence of successive government policy and why it is never going to change. House prices have risen by 9% in the last year, the Halifax announced last week, 13% according to the nationwide. And what that means is that the intergenerational wealth divide just rose by another 9-13%. to Anyone born after about 1985 is going to find it 9-13% to harder to ever buy a home. There is perhaps no greater manifestation of the wealth gap than those who own a house and those who don't. And yet it is all so unnecessary. Ignoring land prices for a moment Houses do not cost a lot of money to build. If you look online, you can buy the kit for a 1,500-square-foot, three-bed, timber-framed house for less than 50 grand. You can have it erected for another 7 grand. 57 grand for a 1,500-square-foot timber-framed home. In China, a 3D printer can build a basic home for less than $5,000. And the building cost of the houses we already have, Victorian homes and so on, has long since been paid. So how can it be that in the liberal, peaceful, educated society that is 21st century Britain, a generation is priced out? These are not times of war, nor are they, for the most part, periods of national emergency, Covid aside. And and this was a problem long before Covid came along. So why should one couple be able to settle down and start a family and another not by virtue of the fact that one was born 15 or 20 years earlier than the other. There has been a failure in both the media and government to properly diagnose the cause of high house prices. And Until the causes, our systems of money and planning, are properly understood, we cannot hope to fix the problem. The standard solution is we need to build more. But this is not a simple supply and demand issue. Between 1997 and 2007, the housing stock grew by 10%, but the population only grew by 5%. If house prices were a function of supply and demand, they should have fallen slightly over this period. They didn't. They rose by more than 300%. The cause of house price rises is the unrestrained supply of something else – money. Mortgage lending over the same period went up by 370%. It was newly created debt that pushed up prices in a decade of extraordinarily loose lending. and That gave birth to a national obsession. Houses were no longer places to live, but financial assets. Property owners became immensely wealthy without actually doing anything. And this great unearned wealth saw the rise of a new rentier class, the buy-to-let landlord. Now, When you have runaway inflation such as this, the Bank of England has a responsibility to quash it, usually by putting up interest rates. But here – and this is the great sleight of hand – the Bank and the ONS do not include house prices in their measures of inflation so throughout the 90s and the noughties they could prove that inflation was low or moderate and interest rates meandered lower. Meanwhile, more and more mortgages were issued and so more and more money was created and it pushed up prices. The government didn't mind. Homeowners vote and homeowners were happy. They were getting rich. The fraud persists today. The Bank of England says inflation is, what, 1%, 2%, whatever the latest number. Really? Imagine if interest rates reflected 10% house price inflation. All the QE and interest rate suppression that's been going on since 2008 has only made things worse. And yet there is not a single politician in government who admits the link between cheap money and house prices. If I borrow a million quid to buy a house, that is a million quid... In the economy, specifically the housing market, that did not previously exist. Of course house prices are going to get inflated. And here is the great sleight of hand. Not everyone can borrow a million quid. Only the rich can. We think that debt is something poor people have. Cheap debt is a luxury of corporations, of the rich and of governments. And it has created this unholy alliance between the three, and with it an international culture of keeping debt costs low and asset prices high, whatever the consequences. No wonder society is so distorted. When you make money this cheap, you create bubbles. Combining a money system that requires ever-expanding debt to function with a national policy of ignoring Where that money goes is asking for trouble, and trouble is what we have. 2008 gave us the crisis we needed to address the problems inherent in our money system. How is money created? Who gains and who suffers by this system? But our leaders chose not to. Instead, interest rates were slashed, so mortgages and other debts became incredibly cheap to service. Great if you already had a mortgage. And we got the great obfuscation that is quantitative easing. Hundreds of billions of newly printed money flowed into the financial sector and on into the London property in which it mostly lives. Asset owners were bailed out and the next generation was made to pay the price. Then we got help to buy, which is just another way to get new money into the market. And over the last couple of years, if banks have sorted out their balance sheets, you see lending getting looser and looser again. Planning laws are the second part of this problem. All this money is pouring into a market that is restricted in how it can expand. Now, If you look at a a shot of the UK on Google Google Maps, you'll see there is no shortage of land (laughs) with nothing on it. Do you know how much land? in the UK is, is actually built on. Just 1.1% of rural and urban land in, the UK, in England and Wales has domestic property on it. 1.1%, according to the 2011 National Ecosystem Assessment. I'm going to repeat that statistic because it is so blinding. Just 1.1% of land in England and Wales has domestic property on it and that's according to the 2011 National Ecosystem Assessment, as I said before. Another 1% has commercial property on it, and 2% is roads. The rest is not built on. You could almost double the housing stock of England and Wales using less than 1% of available land, but planning laws prevent that. Most people do not have the resources to navigate the onerous regulations, and so house-building has become the preserve of a few large corporations, whose near monopoly has led to the bland and characterless buildings which so blight modern Britain. Our most beautiful domestic architecture was predominantly built in the 18th and 19th centuries before planning laws. The more planning there is, the uglier our buildings seem to get. It's inevitable when the final say on creative decisions is in the hands of regulators. Imagine Van Gogh needing regulatory approval on a painting. Let us simplify planning, let, us, let self-build flourish, and let the creative, not the corporations, do the building. I've always dreamed of building my own home, and I'm sure you have too. It needn't cost a, lo- a lot of money, except that it does. An acre of rural land worth ten grand becomes an acre of land worth as much as a million pounds once it has planning permission. That is an expensive and needless cost of government. The 1947 Planning Act was founded on the laudable aim that all the land of the country is used in the best interests of the whole people. The opposite has happened. The Act reinforced the monopoly of the landowner. And we now have a situation where more than 70% of UK land is owned by just 6,000 or so landowners, the Crown, large institutions and a few rich families. The Act has led to huge concentrations of capital and people in areas that are already built up, especially London, bringing vast unearned wealth to those who own at the expense of those who don't. It has actually caused the wealth gap to grow. The solution to the housing crisis is lower prices. What politician will stand for that? They daren't let this market fall because too many people's wealth is dependent on the value of their home, and homeowners vote more than renters. It's not just the vested interest issue, with so many MPs being buy-to-let landlords. The collapse of property prices between 1989 and 94 made the Tories unelectable for half a generation. No party wants such a fate. Indeed, if interest rates reflected 10% house price inflation, homes would become affordable pretty quickly. But then the whole financial house of cards would come crashing down too. And those responsible for that would become even more unelectable than the Tories were. So, it will not happen. It will not be allowed to happen. They will keep on debasing money until money has no value. There were all sorts of noises a year or two ago about uh, planning reform, and, and it looked really good. But unfortunately, the nimby's got in a way and the whole thing got diluted until it became virtually pointless. However this ends, falling house prices, or a generation even more excluded, And my bet is the latter – it's going to be painful. But the sooner we recognise the causes of high house prices – our systems of money and planning – the sooner the problem can be properly dealt with. In the meantime, if you're a youngster, what do you do? My advice is leave. Whether it's the housing market, education or Covid policy, young people have been Totally ripped off. Why would you work and pay into a system that has so shafted you? You could hang around and hope that things will change, but they won't. Get into crypto and get out. Thanks very much for watching. Please uh, subscribe to my channel and I'll be back with another video very soon. In the meantime, cheerio.